Hi everyone, thanks for tuning in and listening to the NTT20 betting show. It's the sound of the start of this round of EFL fixtures that is within the sort of Christmas, New Year, no man's land. Uh, it's going to be me, Ali Maxwell and him, George Ellick, making betting picks ahead of the full slate of EFL fixtures taking place on Friday, the 29th of December. This podcast is sponsored by Betfair and it is about betting. Now, betting comes with risks and we want to make sure that everyone listening is aware of them. So head to BeGambleAware.org if you're not aware of the risks that come with gambling. George, it's lovely to be back on the airwaves with you. I'm sitting here feeling pretty inspired by a man called Stephen Bunting. (laughs) What has Stephen Bunting got to do with EFL football? And the answer is very little. Um, he comes from he comes from uh, Liverpool, so maybe he's a Tranmere fan, possibly. Mm. There's a way to find out. Uh, but he also just beat Florian Kempel, uh, which is good news for subscribers to The Long Shot, which is our betting newsletter on Substack, uh, where we are running a promotion called The 12 Bets of Christmas. And this is a cross-all-sports dart. It was day one that went out on Christmas Day. We asked the guys over at the Big Six, which is another betting substack, to do a darts one. Normally, the long shot is all about long-term positions, long-term betting. But because this fell slap bang in the middle of the PDC World Championships, we thought we'd get some World Championship bets going. And it didn't start very well for us, sadly, with Rob Cross um, probably going uh, about 102 um, to land the handicap bet that was put up and then managing to throw away his darts and not cop. And then next up, uh, we took on Luke. Litter, who is obviously the 16 year sensation, which also didn't go to plan. But in Bunting, the tip was Bunting to win 4 0 and Bunting minus 2.5, and both of them copped, which meant that that was just a point in profit. We've already had Craig Edwards doing snooker, we've got a Eurovision one out this morning, Andy Watson doing tennis, and we've got some big hitters coming up. Goffey doing something that he is refusing to tell us what he's doing, so that's exciting. <laughs> Andy Holding doing some, a racing theme. We've got Niall Lyons, uh, Odds Checkers Golf Tips, uh, doing a, a golf one tomorrow. So do check it out. It's EFL offering. All season, but at the moment we're doing a special promotion. We're getting 12 tips in 12 days across different sports. The longshot1.substack.com if you want to check it out, understand what the offering is. Uh, last week, we both had one winner and you were up and I was down. You picked Cheltenham straight up to beat Carlisle at 5-2 to two as your nap. That was a five-point winner. Um, and so two points up for the week, whereas I picked them, draw no bet as my next best. Too tender and mild like the baby Jesus, and I was down for the week as a result. No other winners. BTTS sixfold, four out of six, uh, pretty standard stuff there. Ten of the 12 teams scored. Um, but what is your best bet of the Friday night, <laughs> George? I'm so used to saying certain stock phrases on this show, like best bet of the weekend, but that doesn't necessarily apply here as all the games are on Friday night. Uh, what's the best among the EFL? What's your nap? Welcome to the sound of the start of your weekend, it's kind of even truer than usual, isn't it? Because, you know, Friday night really is the start. You have to wait until Saturday. Um, my nap <clears throat> is, I'm sad to say, Derby County to be Oxford United at 11 to 8. Um, there was a, a fairly dramatic price move here uh, on Boxing Day as, as Derby won yet another game uh, and, and did so in good style. At Wigan, yes, they may have only won 1-0, but... Um, given that they scored early, they restricted Wigan to, to precious little. And Oxford won uh, on, on Saturday. They beat Cambridge uh, 2-1. Um, but a quick look at kind of the way the game went, and especially in the first half. Um, and Oxford's general form at the moment, I, I think it was 
quite an obvious one that on, on, as people are going to look through the performances and the results on Saturday afternoon and, and look to the fixture list for the coming week, it wasn't a massive surprise that, that the price on Derby went quite quickly. But I, I do still think at 11 to 8, there is some serious juice there. Like I was at Pride Park uh, back in August when Oxford beat Derby 2-1, thanks to two Mark Harris goals. He hasn't actually scored in the league since then, I don't think. I mean, maybe he scored one early on as well. But either way, things have changed um, a lot with both sides since then. Not only have Oxford lost Liam Manning um, but um, and replaced him with Des Buckingham, but the performance levels have really dipped in recent weeks. And I think it's a little bit too neat and simple just to say you know this is the Manning was was that good Buckingham's not as good and therefore things have got worse I think that the most important or there are two kind of really important things to, to note with Oxford one is that the underlying numbers were always suggesting that Oxford are running a bit hot so this regression maybe isn't the biggest surprise uh, but also the injuries where the injury issues that Oxford have are, are pretty severe um, Greg Lee came in and was arguably Oxford's most important player from both a defensive and goal-scoring standpoint um, in the couple of months that he played as, as Oxford's starting left-back. Uh, he got injured on international duty and, and won't be fit for uh, still another couple of weeks, it looks like. Um, Carl Edwards came in from Ipswich and, and was an amazing, um, made an am- amazing immediate impact with his direct running and goal-scoring, goal-scoring ability from left-hand side. He's injured. Marcus Brown remains injured. Sam Long at right-back remains injured. Um, there are just injuries basically throughout the side uh, and that is taking its toll and it means that players like Harris players like Finn Stevens at right back um, are not really getting any rest like the amount of minutes these guys are churning through isn't really sustainable and it's not a massive surprise in my mind that as we get to the, towards the end of December with games coming thick and fast like these players are jaded I think is, is probably the right word for it. And the fact that they managed to get over the line against Cambridge shouldn't disguise the fact that it was frankly a, a pretty disappointing performance until the last 20 minutes when um, naturally the home side were able to exert some pressure. Um, but Cambridge could and should have been at least two goals clear uh, towards the, the end of the first half. Uh, and James Beale has consistently been the most important player for, for Oxford. With Derby, you know, they are far better now than they were um previously in the uh, in the campaign you know Paul Warren was under some significant and serious pressure um, for his job uh, not that long ago but when you go on the kind of run that they've been in uh, where they haven't lost a league game uh, dating back to the 28th of October uh, and they're they're winning most of them as well then you know suddenly not only do they is Warren safe but they look pretty well set to be a real contender from automatic promotion out of league one um, they are far better now than they were when Oxford faced them last time. It feels like Warren's, um, what he wants out of his side is really clicking. I think we're seeing individuals such as Max Bird uh, massively improved in their early season form. Uh, Nathaniel Mendes-Lang as well. Uh, Kane Wilson on the right-hand side is also you know, for the first time since he arrived from Bristol City and, and basically the first time since that incredible season he had at Forest Green two seasons ago. is showing the, the kind of form that we know that he's capable of. So Derby to me, look, um, they're a massive threat from set pieces. They are very, very solid defensively. I think right now there is a widening gap between these two sides, despite the fact they sit on level points. So as disappointed as I am to say it, um, you know, and also there, there was a really, really negative uh, feeling and atmosphere at Oxford in the first half against Cambridge, which I think everyone did very well to kind of snap out of, thanks to a, a very good individual goal from Tyler Goodrum. Um, this is a completely different kettle of fish to, to Cambridge and um, I anticipate Derby should have by far the better of the game and, and, and are overwhelmingly likely winners. 
Hull City to beat Blackburn at home in the Championship, 1.87 with the Betfair Sportsbook, 20 to 23. Now, Blackburn's recent form is bleak. A huge knock to their confidence and their prospects. Five defeats in their last six in the league. Uh, started with a 3-1 defeat at Sheffield Wednesday at the start of December. Then a loss against Leeds. They beat Bristol City by two goals to one in a pretty tight game. Then they were dispatched 4-0 by Saints. Uh, beaten 2-1 by Watford when they held a 1-0 lead with not long left. And then the Nadir a 3-0 defeat at Huddersfield on Boxing Day, a Huddersfield team that I think are among the most poor in the division. Um, the, the main thing that seems alarming and worrying in the longer term is that the chance creation that was their strength appears to be drying up. Uh, and in the last six games, those that I've talked about, not only have they conceded the most open play XG in the division, which is it's not something that shocks me necessarily. They're, they're quite an open team and they don't have a particularly solid defensive unit in the main. The fact they've generated the fourth least XG from open play, that's the main concern um, because that's what was propping them up uh, for the most part to start the season. So Smodix, he had to have a rest, didn't he, uh, for one of the games, then came back against Huddersfield. But that attacking unit just seems to have lost some of its verve some of its imagination uh, injuries certainly haven't helped dolan hedges gallagher all missing uh, thomason is is quite keen to remind everyone how difficult he has it both in terms of the uh, inexperience of the squad the the young average age of the squad but also those injuries and fair enough to be honest you look at the options he's got on the bench in the last few games and any attacking player that he can bring on is pretty young, pretty unproven, is is not someone that you'd be super confident could impact a, a game at this level or at the top of the championship. So I think Hull away is a really difficult task. Now, Hull have lost both games over Christmas without too much to concern me, really. I think they did OK against Bristol City uh, last Friday night in, in spells. They were good in spells. Bristol City with a better side. It was a pretty classic championship game between two decent teams and they lost to topsy-turvy one 3-2 then they were a bit off it at home to Sunderland it was a pretty even game uh, Sunderland winning 1-0 off a, a bit of Jack Clark magic but Hull did force Patterson to make six good saves in that game I, I still think that they're playing fine a little less potent perhaps without the injured Philogene Bedas but I, I broadly believe in their quality their depth the the sort of general level of performance that Rossinia has, has is managing to get from this team um, consistently game to game weekend to weekend or as the case is here you know every three days uh, and I think that back at home where their underlying numbers are really good but their results don't really reflect it just a kind of mid-table home record I think they're going to be uh, itching to, to set the record straight and I think they're in much better shape uh, than Blackburn Rovers, so Hull to win at home. That's my nap, uh, 1.87 with the Betfair Sportsbook. Next best, George. Sheffield Wednesday to go to Preston and to beat Preston. Um, they are uh, 11 to 5 to do so, so bigger than 2 to 1. Um, yeah, th this is a game, um, you know, long term listeners of, of, the, of the show will know that I quite like it when you've got a team who've lost a couple of games but not necessarily done much wrong up against a side who maybe come off a good result but not necessarily done much right and I think that's what we've got here you know Preston obviously massively buoyed by a huge home win against Leeds and understandably so there were however two factors within that um you know the, the red cards you know Meslier which you know, was obviously a moment of sheer stupidity from him but in itself doesn't reflect any kind of footballing ability or, or performance level from Preston that massively changed the game 
and then some moments of sparkling quality from Liam Miller. Um, and we know that he's capable of that, but we also know that he maybe doesn't do it as often as you know, those who tuned in on uh, to the early kickoff on Sky on Boxing Day would have thought, wow, this guy is, must be one of the best players in the championship. But he isn't. And the reason for that is his inconsistency and the fact that he can't do it particularly often. So um, a couple of you know factors there. Also, you know, it wasn't like they were a constant threat against Leeds. They did take their chances. Um they, they, they even 10 against 11, they were still conceding a few chances too. And they come up against the Sheffield Wednesday side, who, yes, have lost three of their last four games. But as I mentioned on yesterday's pod, on the Monday pod that went out on Wednesday, um, I think there was a lot to like in Wednesday's performances in, in all of those games. I, could, I think against Coventry in particular, you know, they went 1-0 down early, but they continued to create chances. They limited a, a very, very good Coventry side to, to creating little. Uh, and then against Cardiff before that, they were 1-0 up. They were totally deserving of being 1-0 up and they were hit with two sucker punches late on when Cardiff never really looked like scoring in the game. So I think the um, Danny Royal is, even though it looks, if you look at results, like there was a short, sharp improvement and then a regression back. I actually think there is an improvement basically game on game. Um, North End have only won, was it, four of their last uh, 16 or 17, um, which t- tells you where they are still. I don't think the Boxing Day result is a new dawn. I think it was a, a good result in isolation, but there was nothing really there to suggest that we're seeing a massive turnaround of fortunes. Ryan Lowe, I think, still remains under massive pressure. I also think that you know, if, if North End don't start well here and, and Wednesday go ahead, then that's going to be forgotten very quickly what happened on, on Boxing Day, especially with the fan base who are getting pretty frustrated. So, yeah, I, I'm very keen to side with a Wednesday side here. I don't think there's a great deal between the two, despite their the difference in position in, the, in league position. Uh, and I think Wednesday should have plenty of opportunities to, to win the game. Yeah, I'm full championship uh, for this show and I'll keep going in that division with Bristol City to beat Birmingham away from home at 2.63. That's 13 to 8 with the Betfair Sportsbook. Now, I have to admit, this of all the bets in the docket in this game week feels like the one with a big red button saying, don't push this button written on it as if it's too easy too obvious I guess because it's the team who have won three in a row against a team who since their manager Wayne Rooney took charge have the worst points tally in the league in 13 games they've picked up just nine points they've conceded over two goals per game it's a team who with hundreds of thousands I'm going to say watching on the telly on Boxing Day looked about as disoriented as I felt after all the boos and all the leftovers uh, as Stoke sliced through them with, you know, I said on the pod yesterday, I'm, I'm excited by how Stoke looked in that game with Schumacher uh, at the helm. But it was a modicum of off-ball movement. It was pretty basic stuff. And, it, and they were made to look like, you know, Brazil 1970. Bit of link-up play, bit of energy, couple of runs in behind. Birmingham miles off it looked pretty baffled it's a team in Bristol City that have scored seven in their last two games uh, both against top half teams full of confidence full of that movement off the ball full of that energy that I've discussed full of link up play at the moment as well in really good shape and, and feeling very confident now under their new manager Liam Manning it's a team in Birmingham who look awkward 
playing through the thirds as they seem to want to do with personnel not comfortable doing so against a team in Bristol City with a manager known for his ability to put together good game plans, his ability to tell his players to set traps and to execute with a a first 11 full of youthful energetic players in midfield such as Gardner Hickman and Knight uh, in wide areas such as Bell or Sykes or Mimetti up front such as Conway Uh, they are ready to pounce and they've done it pretty well in the last couple of games against better opposition than this so yes I'm pressing the big red button Uh, maybe I fall through the trap door maybe I don't but I've backed Bristol City to beat Birmingham at 13 to 8 as my next best Uh, the match odds 90 uh, market is worth reminding you about uh, this season's big offer from Betfair markets with the 90 icon on the Betfair sportsbook is what we're talking about here and what it means is if the team that you bet on is winning the match when the clock hits 90 Point zero zero, it'll be paid out as a winner no matter what happens in added time. Uh, so you can build Akers with the match odds 90 market as well. Make sure you do read the T's and C's to understand. But if the team you bet on is winning when the clock hits 90 and you've backed them uh, in the match odds 90 market, you'll be paid out even if they concede an equaliser. Of course, if you've bet on the draw or if you bet on a team that's uh, losing heading into injury time and then comes back to win, you'll be paid out as a winner as well, of course. Uh, George, who's your goal scorer this week? My goal scorer is Ethan Chislett, uh, mm. who plays for Port Vale. Um, they host Blackpool, and he's four to one to score any time, which is the way that I am going to play. Oh, he's been cut to seven to two. I don't believe it. I the perils of of live podcasting. Fuck the perils of morals and honesty as well. Morals yeah, and honesty, that. I've seen I've seen you before. Just crack on when you see a price change, and just take whatever you saw earlier in the day. Incorrect. Erroneous. Yeah. Ethan Chislett has scored a lot of goals in a very short space of time, and normally this would really put me off because you're like, well, hold on, you know, you're backing a guy who doesn't really score that many goals, and he's just scored a hat trick, and now you're backing him again here. But um, for whatever reason, firstly, I want to say that I think Port Vale have a chance here, and I think they have quite a big price at bigger than five to two at home to a Blackpool side who for whatever reason, just can't seem to to knit performances together. Like one day Blackpool look like they're one of the best teams in the division and then they'll go and throw in a, a really great performance after that. And when you look at the league table now, like I've just kind of assumed that Blackpool would eventually kind of make their way into the top six. But there's a gap opening up between Blackpool and those um, those higher up where they've, you know, they've got a bit of work cut out now in order to bridge that. Um, Port Vale were, were pretty unfortunate against Barnsley. You know, some incredible finishing from Barnsley which seems to be the um, story of their season so far and um, Port Vale it's easy to look good with a 3-0 down but you know they, they really did pile the pressure on in the second half but more more kind of interestingly to me is that Chisler was kind of in and out of the side um, for the majority of the campaign he wasn't really looking particularly dangerous um, and then he was taken out he was he was, he was dropped um, for the derby game and then he's come back into the team and looks a completely different proposition he had eight shots against Wigan um, when he scored a hat-trick uh, and then in the next home game as we saw against Barnsley last time he had four shots and scored one goal so he's had 12 shots in the last two two home games and that doesn't factor in the disallowed goal that he scored which looked harsh I mean from the camera angle I could see it didn't, you know, there were two defenders to my eye that looked like they were playing him on plays off the left-hand side he um, you know as is probably naturally going to be the case when you're Main striker is uh, Uche Piazzu, um, who, as you said the other day, doesn't score that many goals, or even um, Ryan Loft, who also isn't particularly 
prolific who started up front against Barnsley last time. Um, it kind of fits that a player like Chislett might end up being the biggest goal threat, someone who um, can benefit off uh, the hold-up play of players like that, someone who can run in behind, who has the pace to do so and has decent finishing ability too. Um, so I think this might be the beginning of a run that might continue for Chislett, um, playing for a Port Vale side where I think of all the teams right now in the EFL, it feels like the, the Port Vale fans think they're absolutely terrible, but I think there's enough in the underlying numbers to suggest they might have a squeak here. Um, so, yeah, you not often you get a 7 or 2 about a, well, what I thought was 4 to 1, but 7 or 2 about probably the, the biggest goal threat for a team. Um, but that's what I, I see here. For my goal scorer, could be the shortest price goal scorer pick I've ever had, actually. Might need to ask El Arbitro, the arbiter of the betting show. Uh, the historian, no less, to check the numbers on this. It's Nathan Broadhead to score for Ipswich anytime at 9-5 to five at home to QPR. There's 2.8 in the decimal. Uh, this is the, the, the best price out there uh, from the Betfair Sportsbook, and I want to make the most of that. Uh, he was rotated out for that game against Leicester on Boxing Day, but he has started, I think it's 18 of 21, when he's actually been fit to play. So he's clearly a starter in McKenna's eyes. He was just rotated out for um, sort of scheduling purposes and maybe something to do with the fact that it was Leicester and they were going to spend more time out of possession. And, and maybe that's why he, he leant towards Harness, for example. However, I expect to be back in here. Uh, not only that, I mean, Hurst is injured. Uh, significant hamstring tear just been announced. Dane Scarlett's been sent back. The numbers... In the at the top of the pitch for for Ipswich suddenly aren't quite as healthy as they were. Now they've got Caden Jackson, they've got Freddie Ladapo, who probably will play in the number nine role. But as you mentioned on the on the uh, Monday pod yesterday, Wednesday, uh, I think there's a chance Broadhead could lead the line as well. I don't think that McKenna would have too much of an issue um, playing him there. But even if he is back in his normal role, that sort of inside left role that he plays. He's their number one goal threat when he plays. And I think a few months ago, I'd have I'd have thought and I'd have probably said that it was Connor Chaplin. And it's true that Chaplin does take a few more shots or maybe like half a shot per game more than Broadhead. But look at the underlying numbers. Watch them both. Broadhead takes up better positions. He's much less likely to take a pot shot compared to Chaplin. He's much more likely uh, to take a, a higher probability shot. And I, th I believe he's a better finisher of good chances as well. Uh, in the championship this season, he's sixth for XG per 90, uh, 0.44 XG per 90 per Opta. Uh, over a year or so in an Ipswich shirt, it's 0.54 goals per 90 that he's scored. So uh, just a little better than that kind of one in two number. Now, the issue is he doesn't play 90 in most games, that the main risk for this bet and for any time that you back Broadhead is that he generally does come off between 60 and 75 minutes. However, I think he can do the damage before then. Uh, I'm expecting a, a big response from Ipswich Town, having picked up just the, the one point from those games against Ipswich, uh, sorry, Leicester and Leeds. Uh, they had their, their gap between themselves and third cut from 10 points to five points. And QPR come to town, a QPR team who have lost three on the spin, who look desperate for January half the players know that Cifuentes and the fans have completely lost patience with them and they need reinforcements. And to turn up at Portman Road in that shape, where Ipswich have scored 2.75 goals per game this season, I'm expecting a comfortable home win and I'd be very surprised if Broadhead wasn't at the heart of that. So he's my goal scorer pick at 9-5 to five with the Betfair Sportsbook. Long shot. I'm backing 0-0 in Lincoln against Northampton. Another one where the price has basically gone in the last half an hour. It was 15-2. to It's now 13-2, to but we'll, we'll stick with the 13-2. to um, <clears throat> I'm a little bit concerned about uh, Michael Skubala's 
Lincoln City. Um, very early days and, and nothing to get overly worried about. Um, but their defense, sorry, their attacking output is minimal um, at best. They are not creating very many opportunities against anybody. Um, they've scored two goals in their last four games. In those four games, they had uh, just four shots against Bolton last time out. Um, they had six shots when they went to Derby uh, the time before that. Uh, the XG number is very poor. Four shots at home to Reading um, in the, the one all draw prior to that as well. And then eight at Wigan beforehand. So like basically in every game, even when they're, they're getting okay results, they are never a constant attacking threat. And that's surprising to me because I thought, A, with the, you know, that seemed to be the reason why Kennedy lost his job with a kind of defensive mindset. And also with Skabala having been a futsal coach, having worked at Leeds under Jesse Marsh, you would kind of anticipate that he would bring a um, an attacking uh, mentality and style to Lincoln, but I haven't seen it yet. And Northampton away from home, we know are, are far weaker than they are um, at home. Um, you know they, they haven't had a nil-nil draw away from home, but they have had one all, sorry, one nil defeat at, at Shrewsbury and Port Vale, a one nil win at Cheltenham. So against kind of the, the poorer sides, and I'm kind of lumping Lincoln in with that now, despite their loftier position, um, they. Uh, tend to have pretty low margin games and, and when you again consider they went to Stevenage um, last time out and they uh, only mustered two shots in the game of an XG of 0.04 um, that suggests they have some significant uh, attacking issues so yeah I think two sides who Lincoln just generally at the moment don't have very good going forward Northampton away from home pretty poor um, from an attacking standpoint um, I, I don't see this being a game of, of many chances and uh, for that reason I think nil nil appeals I've rattled myself I've rattled myself over the last few weeks on this podcast and in particular uh, one name Jason Knight has been the harbinger of the rattling and this is partly why I said I was kind of inspired by Stephen Bunting uh, the dartsman who I think in a world that's increasingly cynical and filled with negativity and people preferring to tear others down rather than build them up, I think that Bunting might be the most like, unironically and purely adored sports person that exists. And Stephen Bunting has helped himself by developing something iconic. And it's his walk-on music, which is Titanium. And... I cannot stop watching it. I, I love it so much. I think it's the thing in the world that I love the most right now, apart from the honey and mustard glazed ham that I made. And the words have been swirling around my brain, to be honest. And they really are landing uh, when it comes to how it's gone in the last few weeks with my goal scorer pick. You might remember I picked Jason Knight two weeks in a row. I was probably about as confident that I'd found value as in any other pick this season. And Jason Knight didn't score. And then last week using rules that I've imposed on myself for no particular reason, based on no feedback or, or market research. I said I can't pick Jason Knight again, even though he's still overpriced, because can't pick it three times in a row. Scored. Scored, and I missed out. So uh, we're going back to the well, and I've got the words from Titanium ringing in my ears, backing me up, giving me confidence. I'm bulletproof, nothing to lose. Fire away, fire away. Ricochet. You take your aim. Far away, far away. You shoot me down, but I won't fall. I am titanium. Wow. So I'm backing Jason Knight, 13-2, to two, to score any time for Bristol City <laughs> against Birmingham. Uh, I'm putting three quarters of a point, and then I'm throwing a dart 
Nice little back ref. Titanium dart. A titanium dart, really nice. Um, on Jason Knight, two or more at 80 to one. Uh, now, most other firms have Knight around three to one, 100 to 30 uh, anytime. Uh, we're getting 13 to two. So I can't see why we wouldn't make the most of that. He scored uh, this time last week against uh, Hull. And he had a pretty quiet game against Watford on Boxing Day. But still, if you watch the goals back, Bristol City's four goals in that game. Every time Bristol City attack and their attacks reach the penalty box, there's Jason Knight either arriving late or already positioned. I think that if he continues to play in this role, he will continue to get opportunities. And there aren't many players playing in this attacking number 10 role who are still priced up around this sort of price at 13 to 2. So uh, it's a 13 to 2 anytime pick, three quarters of a point, and then a quarter of a point on Jason Knight scored two or more at 80 to 1. Hey, George, we're going to do a BTTS sixfold. Uh, the price is 26.84. So uh, just a little better than 25 to 1 with the Betfair Sportsbook. Uh, who are you going with this week? <clears throat> Um, two from the top and one from the middle, please. Uh, Birmingham, Bristol City is my first one. You've kind of given this uh, <clears throat> given this game a, a good preview already. Um, the one thing I would add to it is that Birmingham's games, as of late, have been much more end-to-end than we saw at the beginning of, of Rooney's reign. It does feel like he is trying to get them to just kind of provides something from an attacking standpoint and, and is therefore sacrificing a fair bit defensively. Um, you know, we saw that in the 3 all draw against, against Argyle. We saw that in the 3-1 defeat against Stoke, where, as you say, they were carved open um, so easily. But they still did, you know, again, easy from from being 2-0 down early, but they just still did create um, some opportunities. And in um, Jay Stansfield, they've got, in my mind, one of the best, most exciting players uh, and informed players as well uh, up front in the league. And um, Bristol City... Their game is basically where you go for goals at the moment. Uh, we saw them beat uh, Watford 4-1. Um, and prior to that, the 3-2 win over Hull. Um, you know, Manning's Oxford side were also uh, pretty heavily. BTTS and over two and a half heavy uh, early in the campaign too. So, um, yeah, I would say this is looks to me like a, a game that should um, provide goal-mouth action at both ends, hopefully with Jason Knight being the uh, profiteer of, of Bristol City's. Uh, Watford-Stoke next up. Um yeah, this is kind of looking at Schumacher, looking at the fact that, you know, they've just had a game where it looked kind of like an, an Argyle game. Um, and as you said, Birmingham played a big part in that. Um, but Argyle under Schumacher were always so end-to-end. Um, and in, uh, you know, in, in that Stoke game where they beat Birmingham, they started very fast. It was kind of had all the hallmarks of, of what Schumacher looks um, throwing a lot of men forward, looking to be direct, looking to take goal scoring, um, well, trying to shoot basically uh, when when on on final third entries, not being scared of doing so, um, but relinquishing a fair bit from a defensive standpoint. Uh, Watford, obviously, off the back of a 4-1 um, defeat, as I just mentioned too, it does feel like their early season defensive solidity is starting to wane a little bit. Um, they do have a plethora of attacking talent, as we know, um, and they haven't uh, all their games have, have copped in BTTS since the 2-0 defeat at Leicester on the 25th of November. So that is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games in a row have copped BTTS uh, since then. So they're a good one to follow for this market. Uh, and finally, um, it is in League One, as I said, yeah, from the middle, Port Vale, Blackpool. For the reasons I mentioned, I think Port Vale are better um, maybe than current performances suggest that they are um we saw against Barnsley a 3-2 game where they did a fair bit going forward um, but they're not good defensively at all at the moment and as I mentioned a second ago Blackpool just seem 
pretty incapable of, of stringing results together right now and um, have some pretty significant defensive issues, especially on the road. Um, we've seen Paul Bell home games recently have been 3-2 defeat at Barnsley, a 3-2 win against Wigan, a 3-all draw against Stevenage. So, you know, that Vail Park is a place to go for goals. Um, and Blackpool themselves have been involved in some pretty high-scoring games recently, including a 3-1 against Bristol Rovers. Um, so, yeah, I, I think these are two sides where... Um, Defensive frailties, but certainly attacking threat. And they're my three selections. Yeah, I don't hate that method. It's pretty similar to how I like to approach things. I I tend to look for things like relegation candidates playing at home. Uh, And I think in League 2, we've got a good one here. Salford against Grimsby. Salford in miserable form and have sacked their manager, Neil Wood. Uh, They host Grimsby. Now, I'm a bit worried about the state of the pitch here. I think it might uh, not be particularly conducive to any sort of uh, particularly slick passing play. But that does bring uh, errors in passing out from the back into the equation. Uh, Both of these two, well, Grimsby has certainly been pretty goalsy uh, in terms of scoring and conceding under Dave Artel so far. And I think Salford will uh, try and go toe-to-toe rather than shut up shop. Uh, They need to start scoring goals and picking up points. Uh, And then Peterborough. Barnsley and Bristol Rovers Charlton in League One uh, just seem like kind of obvious picks there. 1.67, 4 to 6 in the, in the case of Posh and Barnsley and 1.6 in the case of Rovers Charlton. So obviously highly fancied, uh, high goal lines for both of these games. Um, for Posh and Barnsley, it's just two very attack-minded teams with a properly gung-ho approach and tons of good attacking players. Uh, when it comes to Charlton in particular, they sort of fit the bill of a team that I think have good players but aren't a particularly great team unit and are very vulnerable. And I think Bristol Rovers uh, this season probably fit into that category as well. I expect that under Matt Taylor, they will start to tighten up. But so far, he seems to have, have kind of encouraged them to continue with what is quite an attacking approach. Uh, and they do attack in numbers and with quality as well. So I think Charlton can hurt them at times. Alfie May in particular, the league's top scorer. But uh, Bristol Rovers, I would, I would probably fancy in that one. So the six-fold with the Betfair Sportsbook... Uh, at a price of 26.8 is Birmingham and Bristol City, Watford and Stoke, Peterborough and Barnsley, Bristol Rovers and Charlton, Port Vale and Blackpool, and Salford against Grimsby. George, recap your selections and then let's look towards New Year. Uh, Derby at Oxford and my nap. I hope I'm wrong. At 11 to 8. Um, Sheffield Wednesday, 11 to 5. My next best at Preston. Uh, Ethan Chisler at 4 to 1 is my goal scorer pick. Nil uh, nil. In Lincoln Cobblers, I'm not doing no goal scorer because that's 11 to two, but the nil nil is 13 to two, so I'm taking that. And those are my four bets. Merry, mm. merry, merry New Year! Nice touch. Uh, Hull are my nap, uh, 20 to 23, 1.87 at home to Blackburn, Bristol City, 13 to eight away at Birmingham is my next best. Uh, my goal scorer pick is Nathan Broadhead anytime at nine to five for Ipswich against QPR. And my long shot is three quarters of a point on Jason Knight to score anytime for Bristol City against Birmingham. And a quarter of a point on Jason Knight to score two or more at 80 to one. That would be pleasing to head into the new year with that. The BTTS sixfold at 26.84 is uh, Birmingham and Bristol City, Watford Stoke, uh, Peterborough Barnsley, Bristol Rovers Charlton, Port Vale Blackpool and Salford against Grimsby. Thanks very much for listening. This is our last pod of 2023. It's been long, emotional, Incredibly rewarding year of expansion 
and we can't wait to share with you our plans for 2024. We'll be doing that on the next episode of the Not The Top 20 podcast, which will recap the games happening on Friday the 29th and on New Year's Day. Happy New Year, Happy New Year, Happy New Year, everyone. What's just happened there? <laughs> I glitched. Go out. <laughs>